Welcome to Up The Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. I'm Paul, your host, joined by co-hosts Tess and Mark today. Uh, we'll have Ryan O'On in coming weeks. This is going to be a bit of a chat about the Aussie tour, what we're looking forward to in the season, the reason we followed the Villa, and our favourite jerseys. This is Up The Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. Sweeps it out to the Villa left now for Luca Dean. Men arriving. One of them is Philippe Coutinho. That looked like a handball, and it is. Penalty. It's a penalty. Coutinho, and it's Tyler Adams who looks bewildered. But the referee, quick decision from him, to be fair. Blows the whistle, and it's a penalty. And you're about to see why. Kind of flicks from Coutinho, and there is the hand. I think it's more obvious from maybe another angle there. Still trying to contest the decision. Aston Villa with a guilt-edged chance now to take the lead in Brisbane. Philippe Coutinho mentioned earlier he likes playing against Leeds United. Scored home and away against them last season. Christensen still not happy. So Philippe Coutinho for Aston Villa against Melier for Leeds United. Stotter run up and it's a save, but Coutinho with the rebound, another oh. save. And now he's got support from Ollie Watkins here. Here is Ollie Watkins, first chance for him, one-on-one. -on -one. Goalkeeper oh. with a fingertip save again. Far post, it's kept alive well by Ings, and that was that a handball has hit the face there. Has it gone for a penalty? It has. Second penalty for Aston Villa. Danny Ings appealed for it. It was a slight gap, but the whistle blows again, and Aston Villa have a penalty. I think it's the old, uh, let's have a look again. Yeah, it's the old, oh, it's hit me in the face one. <laughs> you try and con the ref, say it's hit you in the face, and it's clearly hit his hand. His arms are up. It's Leif Davis, like you say. He <laughs> clearly hit his hand. Danny Ings for Aston Villa. Is this the moment the deadlock finally gets broken? Ings for Villa, sends the goalkeeper the wrong way. Consummate finish from the Villa striker. Gets a round of applause from Steven Gerrard. First time cross, Watkins misses it, Archer, and it's Cameron Archer, at last. Cross comes in from Kane Kessler, and two Villa youngsters combine. Kessler with delivery, and at last, on the stroke of almost 77 minutes, Cameron Archer puts the ball in to give Aston Villa the lead, and they lead Brisbane by one goal to nil. He'll provide a threat here to Lindelof. Bailey, the step over, Bailey goes for goal, brilliant strike. Instant impact from the half-time substitute, Leon Bailey, stealing up the right-hand side, little step over, and found the corner, Villa back in it, 2-1. With the corner, a deep one, and it is headed in. Chambers was in there, and Villa pinched the equaliser right at the end, just as they did when the sides met at Villa Park. January when United led 2-0. I can test with us today on Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. And we've had Mark on before, but we're just going to go over a little bit of, you know, where he came into loving the Villa. And then hopefully, I'm just going to let you guys know, Tess is um, 
having a bit of trouble. He's, he's with the family, so he's kind of half Bluetooth height, half something else going on. So when he comes in, we'll talk to him as well. You guys have heard enough of my background, so I'm not going to do it. But Mark, or should we call you Spud for the podcast? What's the, what's the preference? Ah, uh, either or, mate. Uh, I'll, uh, most people call me Spud now, to be honest. But uh, Mark or Spud, whatever you prefer, mate. I'm, I'm happy with either. Uh, we'll do, we'll, uh, we've had uh, Spud on the uh, podcast before. Maybe you just give us a quick rundown of how you got into the villa as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, as I said, I grew up in a household where my father was a scouser. So on my mum's side of the family supported Liverpool. On my dad's side of the family followed Everton. And I ended up supporting Villa. And I kind of put it down to um, during the, the first season, the 92 season there, when um, Villa were running United close for the league. All my mates were United fans. So I kind of went against the grain and started going for the Villa. And then the following year, obviously, we beat them in the, the Coca-Cola Cup final. And I got a, a bit of bragging rights at school. And yeah, the love just took off from there, you know. Is that part of the reason you had to move to Australia, mate? Because you were ostracised by the family? <laughs> no, no, I think I think my dad was a bit disappointed, all right, that I wasn't an Evertonian, but uh, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns. I'm happy with my decision. Mate, well, I, I can <laughs> say whenever um, I, I, anyone in my family follows a different team, I literally don't care as long as they uh, follow the sport. So um, we have lost Tess there, so hopefully he comes back in. So it's just you and, my, uh, you and me at the moment, mate. So... Yeah, hopefully he comes back in. Otherwise, we'll uh, we'll go from there. So the preseason, we'll talk about. We'll talk about our favourite jerseys, and and we're going to go on three of our favourite players, mate. So yeah, you want to? We'll go one at a time if you like with our favourite players. I'll, I'll let you kick off there. Uh, I my very first hero, and he probably will always be my favourite Villa player of all time, was Dean Saunders. He was uh, he, he was my first uh, genuine hero. And I was the uncle, uh, first jersey name on the jersey. I just thought he was a fantastic baller, you know. And he was real part of that Ron Atkinson era, you know, when we kind of turned the corner. Well, we don't know each other's lists at the moment. So my first uh, favourite player was also Dean Saunders, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> so we got one all there and probably the first jersey I had with a name on the back. And uh, Tess, are, we, are you there, mate? Can you hear me? We can hear you, buddy. So, oh, my uh, gosh. I tried to put the headphones in and yep. I'm in the car. And the headphones don't seem to be working. So it was trying to connect you through Bluetooth. Yeah, I was I was talking with my headphones on, and then it kind of disconnected me. So <laughs> I'm sorry about that. No, don't be at all. We're just going to let you know. I'm going to include this as part of the podcast just to show how <laughs> professional we are. And, uh, <laughs> and since we're just talking about our favourite um, players, we're just going to do one at a time. Um, our favourite three players and. Uh, Spud and I have both said Dean Saunders was our, one, one of our first loves, mate. So what about yourself? Oh, um, my first love was uh, Daly and Atkinson and Tony Daly. Like I had both of them, I think, because uh, Tony Daly, he was just so fast on that wing. Yep. Um, and when I watched him for the first time, I was like, oh, my God, who's this player? And then you got this other player, Daly and Atkinson, scoring goals for fun. Um, just remember seeing some classic goals and... I was like, right, this is going to be my team. Everybody else at um, at school loves Man United and Liverpool because um, back when I was a kid, there was you know Chelsea weren't one of those type of clubs. You know, it was a uh, Liverpool and Man United to be honest. It, I think um, I just want to let anyone who is listening or will be listening uh, to know that I had we don't know each other's lists. 
because number two for me, and obviously the same uh, kind of era as uh, Dean Saunders, I had his Daly and Atkinson. So I have not copied your lists, Spartan Test, I promise you, okay? <laughs> um, mind tricks. <laughs> it is, it is. Uh, so, Spud, we've, um, we're going to your second inning back to, to, uh, to Tessa's, mate, because I've already done my two. I could never do a favourite list being out without including Paul McGrath on it. I just think the man is just an absolute legend. And I don't, in Ireland, Ireland, Australia, no matter where you go, the man is respected, you know. He was just an outstanding footballer. And there's not many players have won the PFA Player of the Year from centre back either, which he did, of course, for Villa in 93, you know. And um, obviously, he's had a lot of off field problems, but he's, uh, I've met him a few times and he's, oh, he's just a fantastic guy, you know. And uh, really shy and just the kind of guy, just you wouldn't for a moment think that he was as famous as he was, you know. Just, nah. just really brilliant player, brilliant guy. Um, talks talks openly about his problems. He's very good in Ireland now going around doing talks to the young people and stuff about the dangers of drinking and stuff, you know. And he's just, not just his football ability, just as a, as a man as well. He's just He's just outstanding, you know. Yeah, spot on. I've only had interactions with him uh, through social media and he's been amazing and supported some, um, some uh, initiatives that I've been after there. So so you've gone at the moment, you've gone your two. Um, and uh, we're over to you there, Tess, for your second, I believe. Well, you uh, kind of had two. You kind of had two in there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, we'll do our final one. Well, I'm going to say McGrath was a flip of the coin for me, but I had to go Mark Bosnich, just the Aussie connection and having met him a number of times, um, being told to F off by him as well, which I love. Um, <laughs> I, ha- I have to go the Boz. Did, did any of you watch that um, um, Emmy Martinez and Mark Bosnich interview, no? And they asked him oh, yeah. yeah. It was very good. It was very yeah, loved good. It. Yeah. Loved it. So, look, that's, that's my three. I mean, we could put in a million more and, and I, I kind of flipped, flipped and flopped around on them. So, guys, your final, uh, final player each? My my final player is um kind of broke my heart to be honest, and it's really hard for me to include in this list, but it's also really hard for me not to include him. Uh, Dwight York. Oh just, yes, that's yeah. why I didn't. That's why I did not include yeah. him because he and broke my he, heart. Even on the sheet here that I put, I put question mark behind it and put Paul Merson underneath because I was like Paul Merson had a, such a good year for it. But just growing up, Dwight York was just after Dean Saunders. Dwight York's my hero. And, it still hurts me that he left, to be honest, in 20 years on, you know. <laughs> but I just, there was a period that he was just so good, man, you know. I thought you were going to say Jack Grealish for a moment, and I was getting a bit scared that uh, where this podcast was going to go. But uh, Tess, over to you, mate. Yeah, um, that was a really interesting one because, it, um, yeah, I became a Villa fan and Dwight was a player. And my memory of Dwight York was that he was such a fantastic player. But like you guys have said, um, he was one of those that kind of, uh, broke my heart as well, just the way that he kind of left the club, you know, and, and tried to force his way out, that sort of thing. And I was really, really disappointed. Um, but I tried to go back and think of all of the players that I loved at Villa. And to be honest, I love most of them. So when they come to play for us, I, I tend to just gravitate to them and I love them because they're playing for us. But um, my third choice is Christian Benteke. Oh, yes. Um, and it's a really funny one to choose, but I felt like we hadn't had a striker like Christian Benteke for for a long time, you know, and he came, I don't think, well, I didn't know of him before he got to the club. And no. his immediate impact, um, scoring goals, um, and what he did for, for Villa at that time was amazing to me. And I was just like, we needed somebody like this. We need somebody who was just a fox in the box, somebody who could 
hit them from outside the box. Somebody who was able to take free kicks. He was able to hold the ball up. He could score with headers, left foot, right foot. Um, and I feel, feel like we got him at the best time of his career um, so far. So Christian Benteke for me. Um, um, obviously disappointed in the way that he, he left as well. But I didn't feel the same way as when he left as when I did when Dwight York left uh, for some reason. Maybe Yorkie um, already softened the blow for us, mate. But um, uh, the, yeah. you know, the last few the last few years, people still every now and again said maybe we should get him back. He was such a presence on the field and a bit of a beacon in light, uh, you know, beacon of light in some darker days as well. So I can totally understand why you'd go down that path. And if we thought about it now, we could probably name another twenty odd players each that would absolutely <laughs> love. So. We could, and it's just one of those things as well, you know, when you're, because I love Twitter and I love being on Twitter and um, I do my speaking on Twitter sometimes, but, you know, it's every season since he left, it was like, come home, Christian, come home, Christian. And um, I think the Villa fans in general actually really loved having Christian Benteke because it was, I think our club suited the way that he played. Yeah. And we, we supported him, we put our arm around him, we sang songs for him all the time and... He, he I don't does, think he's been able to recapture that. He yeah. does strike. He does strike as the kind of player that needs to be loved, doesn't he? You know, he needs the love of the fans. You know, I think I don't think he got that at Liverpool or Palace. You know, and he's no. like at the end of the day, he single-handedly kept us up for two years. Like, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, totally agree. Well, I mean, guys, this is uh, up the uh, up the villa, the Aussie villains podcast. With I've started it time and time again, and trying to get a bit of a crew together. Um, so it's a, a few different voices, a few different opinions. So we're not going to agree with each other, which is fantastic. And the times we do, we'll make it good as well. So uh, Spud and Tess will be on. We'll put out some of their Twitter uh, handles and, and Facebook stuff and everything like that as well. Um, Spud likes to go under the radar from what I've uh, seen after last week, which is a segue into our preseason tour so far. So I'll just go through the results and then we'll talk about what it's actually meant to us. So played Walsall back in... Uh, the UK, we won 4-0 just before the tour kicked off. And nice little, um, what I think was lovely about that, guys, and we'll go over them a bit more, was that we actually gave the uh, gate receipts or, or any money that we would have made to the club. And Walsall actually came out and said how brilliant it was. Um, it might not have meant much to us, but it meant a lot to them. And it just goes to show what we are as well. Last weekend... We were lucky enough, and we'll come back to it in a moment, to beat uh, to, to all together see uh, Villa beat Leeds 1-0. Um, really tough game uh, in difficult conditions up in Townsville against the Brisbane Roar in bad conditions again. And we uh, snuck a win there, so we'll take that. And a fantastic come-from-behind win in absolutely horrendous conditions to all. So it's been a uh, undefeated uh, pre-season so far, which is fantastic. And, um, well... Back in the UK, we might have lost another game, but we won't talk about that one. So, guys, we'll go back to last Sunday if we can and just talk about the day beyond the game for a little bit and just what it meant. Um, start off with you there, Spud. You you came over from WA for the uh, the Villa Leeds game. Tell us a little bit about your experience. Um, I just think, you know, I, I spent so many mornings on my own getting up watching games before work and, you know, the time difference over here. And it was just, just so good to go over and see the community that is here in Australia, you know, everyone brought together and what it means to people. I was meeting people like they were 55 years of age and their parents were Brummies and they've supported Villa their whole life but have never seen them play and this kind of thing. And it just, you could see how much it meant to people. I think, um, I think it was good for the club too to see the kind of support that they have, you know, 
And um, these kind of tours, like that's that's big club mentality, you know. Like you know, the Liverpool living on this for years, you know, going to America, going to going to Australia, going to Asia, you know, and it's um I think it's just brilliant to see all the fans together and it was all three games were well represented, you know. Absolutely. And, and Australia's not an easy place to travel around, you know, like it, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a trek from Brisbane to Perth to Tongsville, you know. So the effort people have made is just you know, it's just it's just fantastic. And um I, I I just think that um the club now have to kind of push on from here and make the most of this because I'm sure they would have generated a few new young fans and stuff as well, you know. Oh, there's no doubt in the world. And uh, what about yourself there, Tess? Oh, well, if we're talking about the Sunday, um, well, first of all, when I heard that Villa were coming over, I couldn't believe my luck. Um, I haven't been home for, well, the best part of 12 years. Um, and I think the last game I went to go and see was at Villa Park. I think it was against Man City. Um, and we won 1-0. I think Darren Bent scored. I think it was Man City. I can't remember. I think it was Darren Bent scored the only goal. And um, that was my last experience at Villa Park. Um, and then I've been over here since, and you know I watch every single every single game, every single week, um, whenever I can. And um, Sunday was fantastic because I live in Brisbane now, and I got into near the Suncourt Stadium, and the whole place was literally claret and blue. Yeah, it was claret and blue all over, and I just could not believe the amount of support that is here in Australia for Aston Villa. Um, I, I remember, like, sometimes I wear my Villa shirt on a, on a weekend and I go into town and, you know, I feel like I'm the only person wearing a Villa shirt. But this was absolutely different. It was amazing to see how many Villa fans were out to come and see the team in the flesh. Um, I got down there early. Um, I went to one of the um, pubs that were holding all the Villa fans. And I didn't go to the Darling one. I went to uh, the, what's it called? The Paddo? Paddo, yep. Yeah, and I met up with some amazing guys, as you know. And um, the atmosphere was just electric. Um, and my claim to fame is I got to take a photo with El Mohammadi. was so excited about that photo. <laughs> um, I'm still buzzing about it today. Um, it was amazing to see the uh, merchandise store was just packed, queued up. Loads of people trying to get some merch from Villa. As opposed to the other club that were there, the queue was pretty empty. And... Um, it was a fantastic day. Got to the stadium. The Suncorp Stadium is a really good venue. Um, the seats we had were amazing. Um, and the company I had as well was pretty good. Not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was just an amazing atmosphere. Um, luckily, we were at the right end to see the winning goal. Uh, right in front of the fans, the Villa fans as well. Um, amazing day. We played really well. It was good to see some of the new signings um, get 45 minutes. But also, it was really, really good to see some of those youngsters coming on uh, and, and getting some minutes as well. Um, so, all in all, um, the Sunday one was amazing to me. Yeah, same same here. And, and meeting you know meeting people like yourself and, and Spud and Ryan, who will be on this podcast going forward, and so many other people I've spoken to for years, some, some people years, and got to meet them. And it was really strange that uh, how you're known. Like, for a lot of people, I'm only known as like Aussie Villains, my Twitter handle, and people were coming up and showing me a photo uh, of me on Twitter so they knew who I was, and that's how I met people. And, it, yeah, I think we've made some lifelong connections through this club. Um, yeah. So that was the biggest takeaway for me. And, you know, I got to the pub, I think, about 9.30. Um, I think I left you guys 
about half an hour to an hour before you guys probably left. Spud, you were probably still there the next day. Um, <laughs> I think I got, I got cut off really soon after that, I think. <laughs> I think I was trying to get you guys... I know we did one shot, but I think I was trying to get you guys to do shots at the end. That was crazy. Um, no, even like my mate there who came with me there was a Liverpool fan, like, and he was commenting how great a weekend it was, you know, and just going back to what you were saying about the Sun Corp Stadium, I thought it was a fantastic venue. I thought it was a perfect venue for football. Um like it being being obviously an NRL stadium, it's perfectly square for the football. It, the seats, I mean, I'm the same test. The seats we I had was just fantastic as well. The view we had, and I just thought it was an all around great day, you know. And and, and I, I thought some of the players they put in a good performance too, you know. I mean, it wasn't outstanding, but it was it was what it was. It was a little touch higher than what you'd expect for the second preseason game, you know. No, exactly. So let's have a you know a bit of a talk about the the overall players um, from the tour. And then I want to talk about um, something that you guys did mention about the club realising their fan base and a few other things that have happened uh, while they've been here, which has been really lovely. But overall, um, if we look over the three games uh, in Brisbane, Townsville um, and Perth, for me, the most exciting element was actually seeing Bailey show a little bit of form in Brisbane. And then last night in the second half in Perth, Leon Bailey just ripped it up. And I reckon there'd be a few clubs going, how did we not pick up this guy? Like, we know that he was injured last year and we're all a little bit like, oh. But if he stays fit, my goodness, we look a different team. We said on the last podcast, Paul, and me, a lot of people were writing him off and we were like, it's way too early to be writing him off. Like, he, he's, he's showing enough, like, if he can get over these injuries. And I was watching him last night. I, he looked so fired up even at halftime, you know, because he came on at halftime. Yeah. And he was itching for that second half to kick off. And well, he wasn't just the best Villa player on the pitch. He was the best player on the pitch yesterday. Like, And, and there was a couple of good performances from the United players. But he was, yeah. for that 45 minutes, he was the best player on the pitch for United or Villa. He was outstanding. And I tell you another thing that was very exciting as well is when they brought Kane, Hayden Kessler on behind him. I know Manny Catch had a good game, but the two of them, they were at the speed out of the two and went down the wing. And it's just something we just have lacked for so long, you know? It's a that's a great call. It's a great call. Just before you come in, Tess, I wanted to say that we we haven't posed enough threats in the past few years. Like, even if you're going to be middle of the the table, you need to pose threats, and we haven't really. Um, so having guys like uh, Kessler and, and and Bailey last night, and obviously you've got Watkins and Ings, but having guys that are kind of relatively unknown to everyone else, it bodes well. Can be a weapon, and it's going to be interesting now with the five subs this year because I think Gerard, Gerard's like Gerard's. This is what I'm saying to people. Villa, we we've worried so long about our starting eleven. Gerard's bringing that big club mentality. It's not a, you. You can't just have a good eleven anymore. You need a good squad, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and we, we've never had that. Like I see people like are saying, you know, like I don't know how he's going to do it, but he has to get Bundy into that team, right? But also having Bundy coming off the bench, itching the way he does, it, that's also a weapon going forward, you know. But um. I'd be a little bit concerned about Coutinho, to be honest, at the moment. And that's, I know, and that, that might be an unpopular opinion, but, like, he's good, but he, he, he should be better than what he is, you know? He, he, mm. He's not really fitting, at the moment, his style of play, I don't know if he knows what he wants um, at the moment. He just, uh, sounds a bit disparaging, but he seems a tiny bit lost about what his role is at the moment. Yeah, and I wonder, that's what I was just going to say too. I wonder, is it that we have to fix the team to make him better or does he have to improve? Because he, like you can see in his movement and stuff, like he, he is a level above. There's no doubt about that. Like there's, like Some of the stuff he does is just wow, but 
he's, he's very patchy, isn't he? Like it's like mm. you know. Um, no, look again. It's only preseason. He 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 hasn't played a lot of football over the last twelve months either. You know, like Barcelona has obviously set him back a fair bit of time. You know, but if you're Buendia and you're looking at that and you go into the first two games and you're still not getting a look and like it's it's going to be kind of yeah, I don't know because I I I'm yet to see I I'm yet to see Buendia have a bad performance for us. You know. I agree. Bar the yeah. very first couple of games he came, but you you give any player time to settle. But I, I I think he's always trying to make stuff happen. Doesn't always work, but he's always when you watch Douglas Louise, um, Bailey and Buendia last night, they looked quality. They, I genuinely know the triangles the three of them are playing together and stuff. And you could see the game plan in the first half was get Luca Dean free. Second half yeah. was all about Bailey. Get Wendy yeah. to drop deep, drag those centre backs out and get Bailey in behind. So the one where he nearly walked it around the keeper there was absolutely it was classic. Oh uh, my goodness. From Harry Boy, it was brilliant, brilliant slide. Like oh my goodness. I I'm I, just going back to the Bailey point, it was a bit disappointing last season to hear his like quite a lot of negativity around him. And to be honest, you know, he came on, made a really impact, and then he got injured. And I felt like at points, Dino Dean Smith was trying to bring him back a little bit earlier and then he should have been coming back because I don't feel like he was 100% fit um, from his injury. Um, and we could tell when he came back, you know, after he scored that great goal, was it against Everton? Yeah, after the um, yeah. He came back, you know, and got an assist or something and got injured again. Um, and people were just, you know, not really showed a, a lot of respect for him. And I feel like he was... He just had patches where he was just not fit enough to come back. He didn't trust himself to to play um, or trust his body, as Stephen Gerrard said. But, yeah. you know, one thing I've got to credit him for is that he was away on holiday. I know he was away in Jamaica. But he came back to uh, pre-season early. He was yeah. still allowed to be on holiday. And he came back early. And he's been training really hard. Like, I've been watching the, uh, the Villa TV training videos. And you can see all those players are sweating. They're putting in a shift to, for that training. Um, and to see him do little bits at, at the Suncorp, and then um, I, to be honest, I missed the first half uh, against um, Brisbane, uh, yeah, against Brisbane Roar in Townsville. But when I seen him come on, and what he was doing was unbelievable. I don't remember seeing anything like that since Ashley Young days, like yeah. Um, yeah. when Ashley Young would be tearing up the left wing, or all, all, all right, you know, to to whip balls in for for Gabby or for John Carew or coming inside, cutting in and getting those passes up. But he was, he was amazing. He was really, really good. And well, I'm looking forward to a season with him being fit. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I think um, we've got a player on our hands there and if we can keep him fit, um, there's going to, he's going to, he's going to do a lot this season. Yeah. Um, ju just on your Coutinho point, sorry. Um, the Coutinho thing is, it's really interesting to me because as soon as he gets the ball in the final third, he lights up and he's sort of gone. And like he feels like he's faster than everybody and he can put a great ball in. Uh, I'm just worried about whether we have enough people who play with the ball around him. Um, so Buendia can, you know, because you know he's a technical player. He, he plays with the ball at his feet. I don't know if we, we do that enough um, to support Coutinho. And is that why we perhaps aren't seeing the best of him at the moment? Maybe, but there's some players there that could gel here. I think the, I think either of the Ramseys, I think, uh, been really impressed with Kamara as well. He's offering a, uh, a different level there. So I think there's players there in the background who, who look like they could provide exactly what you're asking for there. 
Yeah, um, and by all accounts, if we have a look at the game that was um, yesterday on the Kangaroo Paddock, um, we had um, Kamara, Tim Rogbenham, um, who looked pretty good, Kane Kessler, had, uh, Kane Kessler. Yep. Um, we also had um, Morgan Santon, right? So, last couple of games when he's come on, it feels like he's just all over the place, and he's getting the ball to his feet, and he's doing a lot of work, and he looks like a player there to me. Um, with Mark's Coutinho thing, I think John McGinn's also struggling, in my opinion. And I love I John McGinn. Just, I was just about to say, he just looks a little, like he's trying a little bit too hard. I mean, he's throwing his body into everything, right? But it is pre-season, and he just seems a tiny bit off the pace and like he's going too hard. I, I'm not sure what's going on there. But McGinn, maybe he's feeling the pressure of the incoming players. Is it that he's playing in the wrong position? See, like, I also think, um, I think if we lose Douglas Louise, it's going to be a huge mistake. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. 100%. I mean, like, I, I, like, even watching him last night, you know, he is so, he's, he's the kind of player we were just talking about that we're missing. And I just, I just don't understand, like, I just don't understand why he's not been given a chance there. He's like, like, just show what he can do. It, I, I don't, see, I'm worried, like, he's not saying the contract now, it's, it's 11 months now. Like, that's saying to me that's not going to happen, you know. No, well, the one good bit of news is his um his girlfriend, partner, whatever she just signed. Uh, is it Layman? Uh, she yeah. just signed for a year with us. Who knows? You can can read between the lines there. But with, with um with McGinn, um like I really lo- like I love his work rate and everything, and I think it's you know it's very important. Like, but we have to remember McGinn was like playing for us in the championship. No, that's yeah. not a slight on him and uh, some of them are. And players do step up. Don't get me wrong, but he we've still got that same midfielder as mainstay. No. The one thing that that would say is either he's really good at training and, you know, because Gerrard's playing and Dean Smith's playing and they've all played him, you know, and um, Steve Brooks, they like, so he's been a regular starter. Is it something that we're missing as fans? Is he bringing more outside it? Because I just don't see him as a top six player and I hate saying it. I just, I, 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 I don't see him. I don't see how he's, I think Douglas Louise is more likely to bring us into the top six than him. And that's, that's, and that's the honest truth. I, I, think mean, we'll, I think we'll actually see that, Spud, this year. I think we actually might see him again more on the bench um, or not in the teams because I'm looking at some of the players like Bubaka Kamara, um, Carlos down back giving us that, you know, I mean, what a man mountain he is. I'm just seeing that midfield is going to change. It, I think there's we're still a bit confused about what we want to do with it. And I think Louise, I think if you have to choose between McGinn and Louise right now, I would honestly take uh, Louise. Um, yeah. And and I think that says a lot. And the way we're going to play with Matty Cash and that with the overlaps down the side with Denier and um, I just think that McGinn's previous kind of hold the ball and try and slide the left-footed passes through may our, our evolving game game plan may go past him. I think um, I think McGinn is very good when you're when, when when you're in a battle and 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 you're struggling. But I think we're we're trying to evolve into a team that plays with the ball and controls the pace. Mm-hmm. I I just don't think his ball retention is good enough for that. You know. And, and 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 as I say, I hate saying it because like he, there's definitely a player there. He's definitely a good player, but I just don't know if he suited us. You know, like what we're trying to do. He was suited us when we were trying to stay up and all that. And that's not a knock on him. He gives a hundred percent. I just don't see. I just like like oh, I just wonder what's Coutinho thinking. Like these boys can't keep the ball. You know. Well, I, what we might do for our next podcast is actually um, all put down our our first eleven, our preferred eleven from what we've seen so far. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> And I think if we do that, I think you may find, I think the three of us may find it'll be hard to find a spot for him again. Just looking through the squad, 
seeing what we've seen pre-season so far. But the yeah. other side of it is, and it's what you spoke about earlier, both of you, the depth in the team is needed. So to not be in the first 11 sometimes, you know, hopefully we're going to do deeper runs in cups. Hopefully we are pushing towards Europe because you will need that depth. And, and some of those players are going to have to accept that or, or not. I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, now when he comes back from preseason, and he, this, cause, because obviously he came in in November, Gerard, you know, and like, so he had to get into games straight away and he never really got that time to look at his squad. This is his first real trip away. I'm interested to see, is he going to chop a few now that he gets back to England? The transfer window is still open until September. He's going to know exactly what he has now, you know, and it's, yep. uh, it'd be interesting to see because I was reading link, reading this morning there that uh, the, the, the links with James Ward process are starting again. And uh, like he, he's a good tidy ball retention footballer, like he is. Yeah. But don't you feel like we're signing a lot of very similar players? Um, I just feel like we're signing players that I think if we didn't get Ward Prowse, I think we've already got similar players in in that mould. Yeah, I think the set piece taking would be a massive bonus, though. That's true. We, we don't, don't have a good set piece. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a good set piece taker. And you're right, we um, both of you. We need depth in the club and we need players to fight for their positions instead of knowing that each and every single week you're going to be playing because there's no one else that's better than you or is pushing you hard enough um and if you're going to be a top six side or aim for that position you need depth and we haven't had it if one person is dropped out you know look at us when we had um jack Grealish when he didn't play we fell apart pretty much because we relied too much on the one player and what we do now have is a good squad depth. Um, and we've got players that are in there now seeing that winning mentality. You know, when they're talking, they're talking about, I want to win. I want to I want to get up here. This is where Villa should be. This is what we, we're aim, aiming for. And Steven Gerrard has brought that kind of winning mentality. Good to see that um, he's... Oh, did it... I think Ashley Priest or someone like that did mention that Gerrard's had a conversation with a few players and honest, you know, Stephen Gerrard's honest conversations um, with a few players to let them know that their minutes might be limited uh, this season and they could start looking for new clubs. So it'd be interesting to see Ooh, who is. those players are. You know, I was very impressed with it as well. And I, I, I don't know if he's going to go out alone or they're going to keep him, but Tim Mirabuna looks a solid player. Yep. So um, I, I, I wonder, is he going to shift to the 4 2 3 one though? Eventually, uh, properly full time, you know, as opposed to the four three three, because I I think there's going to be another midfielder come in. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, yeah. I think that's the most likely formation uh, with Ings and, and Watkins really um, fighting for that striker position. Um, Just while we're in the break, this beautiful song is by the Villa Decree. So if you're on Spotify or Apple Music or YouTube or anything, give them a support. Um, fantastic music, Villa Decree. And this is Aston Villa, that's who. Yeah, I'm putting you on notice with this question. Um, and, and I'm going to give my answer. If the preferred, you can only have one striker out of the two starts. I'm talking starting. I would go Danny Ings. Me too. Yeah. I, I'm going to go Danny Ings as well. And... I don't know if you saw the goal, you know, or you all saw the goal. So the goal that Bailey scored, yeah, when yeah. he went from pretty much the halfway line all the way down the right wing and cut inside. One thing I noticed, somebody posted a video, I noticed that Watkins' run, his run wasn't good enough 
to receive the ball if that ball was going to be passed across. Yeah. Because he ended up go, going into an offside position, I think it was. Um, and I worry about his his movement sometimes in and around the box. We know what Ollie Watkins is. He works really, really hard. I love him. Um, um, it's just that, you know, we saw Cameron Archer um, when he was playing and the places he puts himself in the box ready to score goals. I and... can't believe, Tess, we haven't even spoken about Archie yet because I think in the next two to three years, whew, he's going to score a ton of goals. I think he'll go down to the championship, down to Michael Beale, down to QPR, down to Dean Smith in Norwich for a season. Um, I'm Dean Smith or Gerard will say to him, go down and score yourself 20 goals in the championship and come back to me next year. Yeah, that's he, what I'm he, saying. He, he's, he, yeah, he's very good, but I, I, all these people are calling for him to be in the starting in the Premier League at the moment. A lot of the fans are, I don't think he's ready for it, to be honest. Not, Not ready for a start. Not ready no. for a start. No. But nice, I wouldn't, nice to have. I wouldn't say no to keep him in with the squad though for the season I would I would really consider it because otherwise we've only got the two strikers I would definitely I would definitely agree test but I was just going to I was thinking there if um just for his development you know would he be better mm. off starting every week in the championship or is he better off getting 10 minutes here and there when we're chasing a draw or whatever you know nice problems to have boys it's, yeah good problem yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, I just can't believe the depth we've got this year. You know, like Chambers scores that uh, equaliser last night on the death, which um, was so beautiful to, to happen. Um, we've got so much. I'm really excited about the depth. Um, you know, there's some players there. I'd be I'd be really questioning going forward whether players like Nakamba and Traore, uh, those kind of players, have, have a place going forward. I know a lot of people love Nakamba, but I'm talking about us being a top six team. Those guys will, as great as they are, they're gonna they're going to be left behind. He hasn't got many minutes over here, has he? he no. Played, no. He played the Le- did he play the, the end of the Leeds game or the end of the Brisbane game? But I haven't really seen much of him since. And that says to me everything you need to know. I think a few of those players, um, you know, we you were talk, we talk about being critical of players. I I don't look at every other club's social media and stuff, but we're a negative bunch of people. Like, <laughs> naturally <laughs> negative, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Just um, what you were saying there about the things and uh, Watkins um, uh, battle for the starting places and stuff, you know, it, it would probably come down to in a Dean Smith team where we were a counting attacking team, you'd probably want Dolly Watkins. But if we're going to be like a ball controlling, creating chances, you want a finisher, which would be Ings. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking at the moment that Ings starts and uh, depending on who we're playing, it's horses for courses, but Ings starts most games, Watkins comes off the bench. Um, and if Watkins you know, smashes the ball in the back of the net, uh, net non-stop, then he keeps his spot. I, I think it's going to come down to that. Watkins is not scoring the goals he should score going. I, I mean, I've got him on the back of my jersey, guys. So, you know, I want him to succeed. But at the moment, if you're going to really push for Europe, would Watkins play in Chelsea? Would he be playing in Manchester United? Would he be playing at Liverpool? Would he play at Arsenal? Would he play at Tottenham as a first-choice striker? No, he wouldn't. I don't think. No. But you could see you could see Ings in one or two of those turns. You could see Ings in one or two. Before before we signed for um before Ings signed for us, people were telling him to go to Man City as a backup striker. That's what I'm saying. So like, I think sometimes what you have to do when we're we're talking about our club is people need to step back and go, well, would this player actually get it a game at the teams that are around us, the teams we're competing against um, to get into Europe? And I would say no, he wouldn't. Um, the thing about Watkins is, I feel like 
this season will be a definitive season for him because yep. I feel what we have at the moment within the squad allows us to give him lots and lots of chances where I feel like sometimes last season we were giving him scraps. There were there were times, obviously, where he had one-on-ones and all these sorts of things and, and fluffed the lines, but I feel like if he's getting the opportunities and we're providing the ball to him, he's going to get a lot more goals. And from what I saw so far this preseason, even though it's a preseason, the ball should be coming to him quite a lot. Yeah. Um, we've got the players to... We've got Luca Dean, we've got Leon Bailey, we've got Coutinho, we've got Matty Cash. And um, I'll say Kane Kessler because I feel like I feel like he would be a good understudy to Cash to push for that position, especially based on what he did mm. so far this preseason when he has played. Not against Warsaw, I felt like Warsaw was a little bit too much, but when he played against Brisbane Raw, um, his intelligence during that game, the runs, the confidence that he had, we should be we should be creating a lot of opportunities for Ollie Watkins if he is going to be the person to start. Um, what you were saying about Kane um, Kessler there, he seems to naturally do what Gerard wants his fullbacks to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, he just he seems to get forward naturally. You know, it seems to be just in and it's part of his game. You know, plus I don't think um, I don't think you're going to see Freddie Gilbert kept around at this stage, is he? No, and no. a few stories over the last few days about. Um, some reactions to fans and stuff would say he's already been told uh, to pack his bags, but I don't want to be too negative there. Um, look, just a final summary on, because we'll come back to all of these players uh, as the pre-season and lead up to the season um, commences. But overall, some of the things that I was really impressed about um, outside of the team was our gaffers just seemed our gaffers seemed genuinely excited to be here. He did a lot of different functions with smaller groups, so disability groups and um, you know smaller communities. Going to visit a school with a player called Aston, and he looked to really embrace that side of it, and that excites me because that says to me the gaffer is pretty relaxed about what he's going into this season, and and he really seemed to be enjoying those moments, and I think that's really important. I don't think we've seen that from one of our gaffers in a long, long time. But I think um, Gerard, you see, like he's come from big club mentality. He's played big clubs his whole life. He knows how important these, um, the, these promotion of the club is, you know. He knows how important these um, commercial aid is for France government be the face of the, 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 the club, you know. He's been the face of the club for a long time in Liverpool, you know. So yep. I think he, he understands the importance of this side of the... I'm sure if you asked him in the morning, he probably wouldn't want to go to Australia. He'd like to keep Villa in England have a full preseason, but he knows if you want to be a big club, you have to act like a big club, you know. And and I think that um, you know, having come here and and gone to Queensland, a lot of people would have said, "Oh, Queensland, oh, not so sure." I think he would have come away from this going, "You know what? Wouldn't mind doing this again in two or three years' time." That was excellent. And I, look, I do hope the club do come back to Australia in the next two or three years, and I do hope that they actually do some more for fans. Um, besides an event in Perth, it was pretty low key. Um, there was no real open training sessions. There was no nights with, you know, some of the players who might not have been getting a full game. They could have shown up to an event. And that was the disappointing thing for me. The The club underestimated the support in Australia. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I, I was talking to Ashley Priest about that at the Pig and Whistle as well. And he was saying he was, he was, he was, he, he, was saying he expected more events to be put on by the club themselves. So most of the events by the Paddo and the the, the big whistle were actually uh, done by the fans themselves. You know, hundred percent they were, mate. I can guarantee it. Yeah. <laughs> no and, and 
the good thing is, I mean, of course, we're delighted that they came to Australia and commercially good for the support was very, very good. And clubs like ours need to do that because, you know, you know, it's most of the most most clubs, they do have a big following, especially in places like Asia. Um, and they need to go out there for that commercial side. And so coming to Australia was just the beginning for that. And I believe I feel like they will come back in a few years time. Um um to to get take hold of that commercial um opportunity if you like um they know that there's support out here um it was slightly disappointing not to have more sort of fan engagement with open training and all that um i don't know if that's because villa came over here on short notice or whether it was the way that stephen gerrard wanted to make sure that his players were focused more on what he needed them to do in order for us to be successful there could have been a bunch of things um, as to why we didn't get that opportunity. Um, but all in all for me, though, I mean, we got to see Aston Villa play here in Australia um, for the first time. Yeah, um, and, and it was fantastic. What a great experience. And we got to beat Leeds, which is absolutely glorious for me. And we mm. equalised at the death against uh, Manchester United. So not only has it been great to be able to see... Um, our team. Uh, we've also got to meet people um, that we will stay connected with for many, many years, if not the rest of our lives. And the fires burning are just, I don't know, if, I've always been Villa like you boys, but the fires are, are probably stoked as high as they ever have been. I'm, um, I'm a very happy man. Uh, I managed to score an old ticket for the first game of Villa Park, Villa and Everton when I'm home. I'm fly home next week to Ireland, so I'm going to have to get a ticket to Villa Park for the Villa and Everton game, so I'm a happy, happy man now. Oh, we're oh, gonna we're gonna get some we're gonna get some pictures from you, mate, for the uh, for the podcast. So for sure, look, yeah. The the preseason absolutely has been a success. I I, I know the club will think the same. Um, I'd be surprised if they don't do a, a an American tour next year. Uh, I'd be really surprised there, and I think the club once again has un- probably underestimated the amount of support they've got there. Um, and they're looking at Las Vegas villains down the track, obviously. So. It'll be a nice little tester there. Then maybe back to Asia, maybe not Australia, but Asia the year after that. And that is one thing really off the cuff I wanted to talk to you guys about. It's somewhere I still think that this may even have exposed Vera a little bit to go, hey, wait, just a second. There's Australasia and Asia. We haven't really explored that market for players yet. And I think there's a brilliant, I mean, we only have to look at what's happening in the rest of the Premier League. I'd love to see a couple of Asian players play for Villa down the track. The um, Christian pros that I talked about that recently, they're, they're trying to get a link up with an Egyptian club at the moment as a yep. feeder club. So they've got the, the Las Vegas one and they've got the Egyptian one. So apparently that's, that's going to be their ticket into the market, you know, because of obviously of um, Suarez being um, Egyptian, you know. So that's mm-hmm. going to be their step in. Um, just going back to what Tess was saying earlier about the Asian market and stuff, I was at the, the, uh, the United game obviously last night. The amount of Asians you see with United jerseys on. And... Yes. Um, yeah, like they're massive over there, and 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 a couple of years ago when United played uh, Leeds in Optus as well, I was reading that they sold tickets in thirty different countries for the game in Perth. Yes. Wow. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and and that is where we we think um, you know we, we're a medium sized club to, if we're honest with ourselves, and to be big, we need to do these tours. We need to really get our jerseys all over the world. Yeah. So when just uh, when we're walking up Queen Street Mall, or what's the mall in uh, what's the mall in Perth? 
there's oh, there's loads of them. There's like, the, the carousel is where they set up the last time. The yeah. Westfield, the Westfield carousel. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we we want to be walking, you know, on a Saturday morning uh, or on a Friday night. We're going to be walking around with our jerseys, and we see other Villa jerseys. So that's the uh, that's the next step for us, and and bring that extra revenue in to buy better players. I wonder would they go to Man City route and end up buying an Australian franchise eventually. Well, I've, I've been saying it for a long time. I think a really natural fit would be the Brisbane Roar. I mean, we're the Lions already. We've played them up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be actually pretty impressed with Brisbane Lions in that friendly against Villa. I thought they set sure. up really well. Well, we've been a good club uh, off and on for years, and and won you know won titles. And I'm a Brisbane Roar uh, member and a bit of a fanatic myself. Um, and you know, having Charlie Austin and a lot of young players coming through, they'll they'll have a good year this year, this upcoming season. So I'm I'm a bit excited about that. But who, uh, who plays at that Queensland Country Town Stadium? What what like who's, who's uh, yeah North North Queensland Cowboys play up there. So it's a rugby oh, league stadium, and they get massive crowds there now. So it's um been used for com games, and um it'll be one of the oh, I would surprise if it wasn't used in some capacity for the Olympics, but they might keep it completely in Brisbane. Um. But yeah, no. So it's a, it is a not. Whilst it's a football shaped stadium, it's definitely a rugby league stadium, same as Suncorp. Um, yeah. But the Brisbane Roar are going back to play three games this year, and we'll they, just so for you guys, you probably know. But they, the Roar, actually used to play all their home games at Suncorp, and they'll move back there again in the next year or two. Uh, it's good for football. It's good for the fans. Yeah, and uh, would they get big crowds? No, the the raw averages about uh, at the Suncorp averages about fourteen fifteen thousand. So that's, that's good. That's good. That's that's not bad either. Yeah, no, it's good good size yeah. crowd, at, but it's not a good size crowd for that stadium. That's right, that stadium, yeah, yeah. yeah fifty two thousand seat stadium, so it can look pretty uh, pretty empty. Pretty but empty. Um, yeah. guys, I want to before we finish off this podcast, then I'm really excited to have you guys on board as co-hosts. Um, we're going to really build it up there, and we'll bring some guests on from around the world as well. Uh, line a few of those up, but just want to say that everyone last week was talking about their favourite jerseys of all time, and there was a couple horrendous jerseys. I cannot defend the green and black jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the one that had the Muller Muller on the front? Yes, it was the. Uh, was it our second or third kit? It was, it was the away kit, yeah, for the yeah. Next season, yeah. I, I'm sorry, guys. I, I couldn't do it. I, I know people were praising it last week, but I was. I I, I couldn't do it. I, I, what I, year I, was it? Was it 1990 90, something? 94. Yeah, it was the way yeah. jersey in 94. Yeah, because but, that was my very first. That was my very first. Um, that was my very first football top. Um, I remember um, my Jesus. best friend Haley from school. Her parents bought it for me for my birthday. Um, they they live in Manchester and they're huge Manchester United fans. Oh, Christine, the mum, she was a Man City fan. But um, I remember going up to Manchester to see my best friend Haley and stuff. And for my birthday, that's the that's the shirt they bought me because at that time I was still a new Villa fan. You know, um, I came in quite late, and um, that was my very first one. So I really loved that top because that was my first representation of Villa. But I look back at it, I look back at it now and. I still love it, to be honest. I still love it because that was my first shirt. So um, totally but get it. I understand why people don't like it. There's a bit, uh, there's probably a bit of sentiment there as well, is there? Because my, 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 my favorite jersey, probably uh, my two favorite would be the, the Muller 94 home one and yep. the, the meter copiers with the laces from 93. So oh. uh, the, um, but I just love the retro stuff. But again, it's more sentiment than anything. I think that's just what I grew up as a kid, you know? Well, I, 
I don't know why, but I'm I'm one of those aesthetic people, right? So I loved our um I'm not sure if it was Deodora, but it was um when we had the um oh goodness, goodness me, I've just gone completely blank. It wasn't NTL then. Oh yeah, they had one that was yeah. NTL spot. And I for some reason that really stood out for me. Uh, I absolutely loved it. And that MITRE copy is one with the, the check patterns because it was so different to anyone else's. That, yeah. that, the two that stood out for me. I love the, um, I love the uh, AST computers home and away one with the colours as well. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, it just uh, pretty iconic as well. We won the, the, the Coca-Cola Cup against Leeds in that jersey as well. And I just kind of, I kind of cling to the jersey where we won stuff, to be honest. Well, <laughs> one, one that I have to always... I, I don't know if I love it or hate it because it was a goal. It was a time where Villa could have been fantastic, and it just—it was another Diodora top. It was when we had Rover on the front. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. For some reason, it was just the Rovers, the lettering and everything just seemed right. So, yeah, I'm a little bit over the top yeah. with uh, how I like jerseys looking. And I've recently. In fairness, to... sorry there, Mark. No, I was right. just going to say, in fairness, in modern day though, like sentiment away, like. I really loved the Luke Roper um, football kits. Yeah. I was just going to say that's exactly what I was just going to say, Tess. Of the of, of the modern time, that that yeah. Luke Roper one was the nicest jersey we've had in recent times by by a distance. I reckon. Absolutely. Well, we we did a vote on that um, last year, guys. We did a vote on on people's favourite Villa jerseys in recent times, and that was a landslide win. Just so you know, that that absolutely there was nothing else they even got to walk in. I must say, I'm kind of getting, uh, I'm kind of taken by this home and away this year, though. It looks uh, like they, they look, they look nice. They look, you know, they're they're classy. They're nice and simple. I like the away jersey they were wearing last night too. You know, I'm, 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 I haven't even put on my home jersey that I bought last week yet, so I'll have to <laughs> chuck that on. But the away jersey, it, I thought it looked absolutely fantastic. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm buying it. I'm in. <laughs> I bought the home one at um, Suncorp, and I also bought the training top, and the training top, the grey one is beautiful it's stretchy it's 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 so so nice like it's it just fits and it's you know you you can pull it and it just kind of expands a little bit it's just such a nice quality the quality of the of the kit this season is great um and the fit i got a medium size and my last one was a large and it felt like a medium but this medium size was perfect fit for me with the home shirt so uh, i'm actually impressed um expensive to be honest um but really really impressed well i bought the extra large this year and so i think it's actually could be too big but i do carry a bit of a uh a baby stomach there so I look like i'm about three months pregnant so i'll try that on <laughs> um guys we're going to do this um hopefully uh when we can fit it all in as a weekly podcast we'll have um There'll be four of us as regulars, so it'll be Ryan, Tess, Mark, and myself. We'll have some guests on. If people can't make it, we'll rotate through as well. But we will make this a weekly podcast, a bit of an Australian flavour um, with you know d- different parts of the world. Guys, any final comments before we wrap this one up and I start some editing? I'd, um, I, I'd definitely be interested in doing a weekly podcast. The only thing is I am away for six weeks from next week, so, I'm, and, um, so I'd be keen to do it once I come back, you know. Uh, you are... You are going to be one of the regulars uh, there, Spud. So um, your name will always be in the in the pod, and so will Tess. And if we can't make it, we'll bring in other people. But we're going to keep it as a core of four of us. Brilliant. Uh, and with people listening, um, you can get us on Aussie Villains on Twitter. We'll put out everyone else's details as well. Get us on Aussie Villains uh, on Facebook. Uh, we'll start a group up for the podcast as well so that people can uh, make comments. So I'll get that out on Facebook. And, guys, if you do want to be on the show, 
Um, as I said, we'll have our regular hosts. I don't consider myself the host. I'm just the dude who sends out a link. Um, but it'll be Mark, who's Spud. It'll be Tess, myself, Paul, and it'll be Ryan. And we'd love to have our different guests on and talk about why you love the villa. Uh, as much as we love talking about the games, uh, a big passion of ours is, is about the people who follow the club as well. Yeah, um, I'm really excited. Thank you for having me on. I'm really excited about this podcast. Um, I've, for a long time now, for probably the last three years, been hoping that there's some sort of Aussie representation of the Villa fans and um, for supporters to see it. I'm English, obviously, but to see it from our point of view, I've, I've been in Australia for like 11, 12 years now, and it would be nice to have Australians follow our podcast um, to have their point of view, because we, we do always hear from people in the UK and Ireland, and it would be nice to have somebody and I guess our team representing Australia. So I'm really, really looking forward to it. I'm really excited about it and also excited about speaking to um, lots and lots of different uh, supporters and where they're from and why they support the Villa. Absolutely. Well, guys, this has been Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast, and we'll catch you in whatever format we have next week. Up the Villa. Up the Villa. Thanks for joining us for Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. I'm Paul, your host. We were joined by Mark and Tess today. Uh, We're going to try and do a weekly pod, and we'd love your support. This is Up the Villains, the Aussie Villains podcast.